Good morning, everyone. I'm so pleased to be able to continue our series on life as liturgy. Today, the, the subject really deals with community. And believe me, the irony of talking about community to a camera in an empty auditorium uh, does not go unnoticed by, by me, at least. But uh, what I'm so thankful for is the new technology that we have to be able to allow us to do this period. And, and the new technology Joe just told me about, I can look right into the camera and see through your computer. I can actually see you this morning. So, hello, hi. Jim, Jim, why are you still in your pajamas? I don't understand. It's the middle of the morning. No, no, that's, that's just a joke. So please don't, don't turn everything off and run and hide. But it's great to have you here. Thanks for tuning in today as we talk about community. Um, as liturgy, if there's, if there's one liturgy that we have at McDowell Mountain, it's this. We are community following Jesus, learning to love. I mean, we hear that almost every week. What's the significance of that? Why, why craft those words together? Well, just those words, we are a community, are important to us. And today, we're gonna to look a little closer at that and what that means um, in our life. Because it's really the, the DNA of who we are as a church. I'd like you to, to follow along in your Bibles. If you have them at home or turn them on or on the screen here, you'll see from 1 Peter, which I've been enjoying some time this summer in. And I think he gives us some handles to talk about community with. The second chapter of 1 Peter, I'm gonna start with verse 11, and then I'm gonna jump down and come back to, to verses one through five or so. So hang on as we, uh, as we go through what, what Peter has to say. Verse 11 of chapter two says this, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. And then over in verse 1, Therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you've tasted the Lord is good. Don't you love that? Now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, who was rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also are like living stones and are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. You also are like living stones. Hang on to that. Underline that in your Bible, if you will. You're being built into a spiritual house in which we're priesthood of. Then over in, in verse 9 it says, But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. When he starts out, with those words in, in verse 11 about being foreigners and, and aliens and strangers. A lot of words are used in different versions. Um, sojourners and pilgrims are some of my favorite descriptions. We're, we're basically being told by, by Peter, hey, you live on this earth, but it's not your home. You, you live here, but your home is in heaven. Keep your attention on, on that. On this earth, you're, you're here for a time. You're like a an alien, you're a foreigner, you're just traveling through, but you're not gonna be here forever. So put your priorities and your focus and your gaze on heaven, because one of these days you're gonna be done here, you can put everything back in the box, and to 
be the richest person in the cemetery is not a lofty goal. So it's going to be great when you get there. And it gives just this taste of heaven. But until then, you're here on earth. Live here. And here's what happens on earth. There's this community. There's this house that's being built called Living Stones. You're helping build it. And in that process, it's just a, it's just a taste of heaven. Back when I was in college many, many moons ago, I uh, went to this small Christian college. And some of the greatest activities that we would do is eat lunch in the cafeteria and then go, go down and check your mail. Now what would happen in those days, you may not even have experienced this, some of, this, some of you, but you could take a piece of paper and write something on it. It was called a letter and you put it in an envelope and there's this thing called a stamp and you put it in a mailbox and it will go all over the country with this letter. And, and so what we would do is we would hope for a letter from home or a loved one or a friend and um, especially coming down off the cafeteria, every now and again, you'd get a little note that says, you have a package. And we'd go have to wait to go to the mail room and in that package, hopefully, there'd be something from home, like food. Because when you eat in the cafeteria, it was pretty bad. I mean, it's horrible. It's never good in the cafeteria, but in those days, like you'd get chicken on Monday, which meant on Tuesday, you'd have chicken soup, which meant on Wednesday, you'd have chicken salad. And Thursday, there would be this jello with marshmallows and pineapple and some kind of substance that tasted a little bit like chicken. <laughs> and so anything from home was good. And my mom would every now and again send these chocolate chip cookies that just smelled so good, even though it had gone through the mail and tasted so good and reminded me of home. And I wasn't at home, but I had, a, I had just a, a taste of home that made me realize I'm not gonna be here forever. I'm not, I'm not forever gonna eat cafeteria food. One of these days, again, I'm going to eat, I'm going to eat the, the food of home. We are living stones, building this spiritual house that, that allows us to taste heaven. When we gather together and, and Joe leads us in worship and the worship team, and when we, we, we meet in small groups, when we hear Matt speak to us, there's this, there's this, there's a scent of heaven. There's this, there's taste of I don't even, I've never even been there. I don't even know what home's like, but I just, I'm homesick for it. It's a living stones. It's a spiritual house. One of these days, Jesus said, you're going to go in, in my father's house. It's huge. There's a lot of room for you there. And in that house, I'm preparing a place for you. But until then, make a home here on earth and build it with yourselves. Here's what, that, here's what I think that, that home will look like. There's a lot of descriptions in what I just read to you out of 1 Peter. But here's what it basically says to me. This is a place of, of belonging. It says we are people who belong to God. I mean, can it get any better than that? We're people of value simply because we belong to God. That he's that living stone. He's that chief cornerstone. And we are living stones because of that. We belong to him. I read the other day that... Uh, Napoleon's toothbrush sold for over $21,000. Can you believe that? I have a tendency to think we would not want to put that nasty thing in our mouth for a second. $21,000 toothbrush that you can't even use. Why the value? Because of who it belonged to. Winston Churchill has a, a desk that is priceless. You can't even buy it. Not because it's such a great desk, but because it belonged to Winston Churchill. We belong to God. And because we belong to God, we have this belonging among ourselves. 
because of him being the chief cornerstone through Jesus. We are living stones that all by ourselves means us something completely different than being next to one another and stacked upon one another and layered upon one another and building a life and building a church and building a home that, that just allows us to belong together. We have a lot of fears in life. There's a claustrophobia, there's arachnophobia, there's snakes, <laughs> there's fear of public speaking, there's all kinds of fear. Here's one fear we don't talk about very much that I think is, is very real. It's the fear of being invisible. And you're going, invisible? Are you kidding me? Invisible? That's like a superpower. I'd love to be invisible. No, you wouldn't. Unless you could kind of turn it on and off. You know, you'd be invisible here and not there. And if that's really your strong desire, you probably have more issues than I even want to deal with this morning. But you don't want to be invisible. You don't want to be able to walk into a place and nobody sees you. To be happy and no one realizes it. To be sad and, and nobody, nobody even recognizes the emotions you're going through. You want to be noticed somewhere. I can remember a time in my life when we had just come back to, to Phoenix and I had, a, I had a, an injury 10 years ago, a spinal cord injury, and coming back home felt good in one hand to see people and our family and all that, but I'd go to different places and it would trigger memories of, of grief and loss. I thought I would enjoy going to a golf course. I go to a golf course and it triggers how much, how much pain I have in my life because I can't do that anymore. And I, I remember one day I was so downtrodden and, and discouraged after an event. And um, I just went to a coffee shop and I was pulling out my, my phone to look at some scripture to try to pull myself out of this. And I was just wrestling with God and I was questioning God and I was doubting. And I found myself kind of going in this spiral that was heading in the wrong direction. I couldn't pull myself out of it. I felt, I felt grief, I felt loss, I felt like I was invisible, I felt like, like, I was, like nobody cared about me, I, I had this anxiety that was building up more and more and more almost to, to a point where I couldn't even take it anymore. And I looked around in this coffee shop and every table and, and every, every booth or whatever was pretty much full of people. And nobody knew what I was going through. Nobody had any inkling how sad I was, how defeated I felt and what was going on with me. And uh, as, I, as I looked around, I had an epiphany. How many times have I sat somewhere and somebody was going through the worst day of their life and I had no clue? I had no idea, they were invisible to me. Well, Starbucks is not a place for people to go around and tell you how sad they are. I mean, that'd be pretty creepy if I went table to table and told them, They would probably escort me out real quick after that. That's not, that's not the role of Starbucks. It is the role of the church. It is what we are all about as a church. That when you're hurting, you have a place to belong. When you're angry, you belong here. When you're angry at God, this is a place for you. Things are going great, you're welcome here. Things are not going so great, you're welcome here. You're not even sure that you believe what everybody else believes. You're not even sure you believe this book, which everybody keeps turning to. You still belong here. This is a place to be cared for and to be helped and to find hope and to have people come around you because this is a place that we belong to God and we are living stones building a place that we belong to one another. 
And this is what I believe about you, that you were created by God. You were formed and knitted in the womb of your mother, that you have value, that he has a purpose for you, that there's a reason for you to live, that he has something for you, and that he has an eternity for you, and that he brings you to a place like this, to belong. That when you're weak, we can come along you and help strengthen you. That when you're strong, you can come around others and help, help them when they're feeling weak. That we, can, that we can cheer you on and that we can encourage you and that we can be together. Somebody that, that's, a, that's a family that's, that, 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 are, that is building a home, that is building a spiritual house that encompasses this sense of belonging that we all desire. There's a researcher out of Harvard named Robert Putman who did a, a, a lot of study a number of years ago. He wrote a book called um, Bowling Alone. There's a lot of statistics in that that basically say when you're isolated relationally, it affects you emotionally for certain, but physically even. So that if you are isolated relationally, you have a, you have a, a more susceptible chance of getting a cold, heart attack, stroke, cancer, depression, any premature death raises up because of, of your isolation. And in fact, he basically says, if you're all alone and you have no one to reach out to, that you, you have a greater chance of dying. You, and conversely, if, if you take a person who's completely isolated and put them in a, in a community, put them in a group, that within the next year, their chances of dying drops dramatically um, in half for just being a part of a group somewhere. So we're getting ready to start community groups in the fall. You'll hear some you know, information that comes out. There'll be group link toward the end of August. They'll be kicking off after Labor Day. Um, I was telling Cameron the other day, the theme that we should have is join a community group or die. <laughs> According to Robert Putman, he didn't really buy into that too well, so we'll find another theme. But we, we hope that you will be able to, to hook in somewhere because in this crazy time, when, when there's a lot of um, online meetings, one of the best ways to stay connected, even if we can't meet on Sundays, is to be able to go on a Zoom meeting, to have a home meeting with a small group of people. That, that belonging happens the best in our community groups. In fact, there's one that I would love to tell you about that it's going to happen a little sooner than when the groups take off. The beginning of, will be on, it'll be every Tuesday from the last Tuesday in August all the way through the fall into December. And it's a marriage enrichment that we're doing called Re-Engage. And it's all about um, reigniting our marriages, reconnecting with our, our spouse, resurrecting marriages that are having trouble. And man, after being in, in this pandemic for a while and, and under house arrest, um, some marriages may need extra help. And whether your marriage is struggling or whether your marriage is good and you wanna just take it to another level, this will be an opportunity to, to be a hospital for those who need it and to be a university for those who are good and want to just make it better. So we're gonna be, you're going to be hearing a lot about it. If you're interested in that, jump on quick with that. You can email me, don at mcdowell.church, and I'll get you on the list and make sure you get all the information. But we had a pilot group this fall that started it. It's been unbelievable. And we have a bunch of people that are really willing to jump in because we think when you take God's word and you take God's people and you put them all together, that God's spirit 
does some amazing stuff because we belong. We're, we're this living stoned house. That's a spiritual house of God. Real quickly then also, not only is it a place to belong, it's a place to grow. And Peter talks about being like a baby and, and how, to, how do we need to grow up. And a baby just can't wait to get more food. And he says, if you can crave spiritual food like a baby does, that you'll, you'll grow into your salvation. You've tasted how good God is. It's only gonna get better and better and better. And he says these words, you're, you're fighting, you're in a war, you're, your sinful desires war against you. You have an enemy that loves to trip you up. You have an enemy that doesn't want you to prosper or, or doesn't want you to, uh, to have the light of Christ in your eyes and your life. You, he wants to destroy your faith and destroy your walk with him. And this, it's not just a game that we play called life. It's, it's a war. And, and Peter says, here's what you need to do. You need to set aside some of this stuff that wars against you. All the malice, all of it, all the deceit, all the hypocrisy, slander of every kind. I mean, you read through that list and it's like, our world would be a little bit better if we could set some of that aside. Set it aside, crave the word of God, the milk of God, the spiritual fruit of God, and grow up. Grow into what he has for you. And not only do you, do you grow by his word and by studying and understanding him, but I think we grow best together. We grow best when we, are, when we are linked together with other living stones. You can take a living stone and set it aside and it will, it will just be there. It's not of any use to anybody or anything. You can take a living stone and set it next to another living stone, next to another living stone, layer upon layer upon layer, and all of a sudden it provides shelter and protection and help and warmth and hope and coolness for the desert, it, 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 had, it takes on a life that's bigger than itself. And we grow better together. Ryan mentioned earlier in the announcements that even tomorrow we're starting with um, a version um, study that you can jump on and, and join with, with a number of us that are going to be going through just how, how to be better together. What's the community all about? And whether we meet together or not, one of the easiest ways, open up your phone, read the Word of God together, comment on it, encourage one another through it. You'll see the, the information here on the screen. Jump into that, we'd love to connect with you with that because we, we simply grow better together. So community, at one of the weirdest times, is hard to talk about, but I want you to know it's, it's what life is all about. It is the liturgy that becomes so practical to us today. Let me just tell you this, I've, I've been around for a long time, longer than I care to admit sometimes. I was here when this church began and we met in a, in a home and there was a handful of us. But we started to, to lay this foundation of living stones that didn't have anything to do with the home. It had to do with people who, who knew the chief cornerstone and who connected together as living stones. We moved from there to a resort and we added another handful of people and another layer to the foundation. Moved from there to an elementary school and more to the foundation and started to build the walls and then to a middle school and the, and the high school and years in the high school where, where wall upon wall was built of, of living stones to the point where we got ready for, for this wonderful property that, that the Lord blessed us with and this 
great facility with wonderful stones, brick and mortar. Like, I mean, there's nobody that loves this, this building any more than I do. I know what it took to get us here and what a blessing and a joy it is. And the, and the walls of Livingstone have grown higher and higher and higher. And, and, the, and the impact and the outreach of, the, of this church, greater and greater and greater. But it's not about this, it's not about this, the brick and mortar. It's not about this beautiful place as much as I love it. Any more than it was about the high school or about the middle school or about the homes. It's about the living stones. It's about the community. It's about who we are. It's about the distinctiveness when people walk in our doors and they go, there's something different about this place. What's different about this place? Well, it's a place to belong. It's a place to grow. And now, now we have no bricks and mortar. We're on Zoom. We're on online. We're on, we're on all scattered about still, but we still have this thing called community. We're still living stones. We were living stones in a home. We were living stones in a school. We were living stones in this building. We're living stones now, even if it's on a computer or even if it's off in a distance or if it's on a phone call because we're connected to the chief cornerstone, Jesus. We belong to him and we link on and we link together. And I'm convinced of this. Not only will we get through this, but we will grow through this. We will be better through this. Our future will be brighter through this. And we'll even know that chief cornerstone more. And the distinctiveness of us being living stones will increase through this. That little mantra, that liturgy, if you will, is so true. We are a community. We belong to Jesus and we belong to one another. And we are following Jesus and we are learning to love. This week, may it not only be recognizable that it's part of the life of our church, but may this truth increase your life, bring up the capabilities and the accessibility of Jesus into who you are. You belong to him. God bless you. Heavenly Father, thank you for choosing us. Thank you for sending Jesus as a chief cornerstone that has changed us, turned us from people of the darkness into people of the light. And thank you for not only helping us find you, but help, thank you for helping us find one another. Thank you for, for the aliveness of your spirit that takes we who were just out in the pit and fashions us into stones and breathes life into us and molds us and mends us and makes us into your spiritual house. And as McDowell is, is a version of that out here on earth, a taste of heaven for this community, I pray that, that, that the aroma, the flavor of heaven would ever increase for our good, for your glory, and that the kingdom might be advanced. So until you come again, we want to be hard at the business of building the house you've called us to. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.